Hello, church. Thank you for joining us for this week's Bible study. Please join us again next Thursday by visiting live.ftlw.org. You can also visit our YouTube page to live stream our sermons or to catch up. Finally, reach out to Sunday School here at Fountain of the Living Words. We come together for prepared exaltation to the one and of the one who is matchless. See you on November 7th. Through their giving campaign to fund this year, 7 p.m. Please reach out to anyone for where your treasure is by mail. During this live broadcast about the baptismally, if you were blessed by this.
not just I believe, God specifically told me um, that there are people who think they are Christians. They think they are part of the sheepfold. They think that they are walking with God, but they're not. And he instructed me to teach on obeying God. He instructed me to teach. Oh, amen. The funny thing is God told me this will happen. I'm not kidding. He told me this will happen. That's why I said check and make sure that it's going on the stream. We're on the stream, right? <laughs> okay. Somebody should monitor that stream. I'm you, God told me this will happen. The devil is a liar. That's how you know that anyone watching online, that's how you know you should really pay attention. Because this message here um, is going to save lives because it is the word of God. And God is going to speak to your hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was saying that um, the topic today is here comes the bride. And I'll be doing part one today and I'll be doing part two on Sunday. And the reason for this is because um, since March, um, God spoke to me in just my personal uh, time with him. And he, he vehemently, very vehemently, like with a sense of urgency, instructed me to teach on, uh, to teach, he told me to teach people to obey God, to teach people to obey God. And the, the reason is because Jesus is coming back soon and the church is not ready. People think, these are things that were, that were um, revealed to me, uh, people really are convinced that they are Christians. They really are convinced that they are walking with God. They are convinced that they are part of the sheepfold, but they're not. And since I love you all and God loves you all even more, it's better that you hear the truth now. It's better that you are told now so you can assess yourself, so you can go to God for an assessment and see, are you really in the faith? Rather than when you stand before him, he tells you then. By that time, it will be too late. Amen. So I pray that you, um, you don't get distracted and you really give a listening ear to this. So if we go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, I'll read uh, from Matthew 7. Um, this is TPT and it says, Enter through the narrow gate because the wide gate because the wide gate and broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. Let that sink in. It says that the broad path leads to destruction and nearly everyone chooses this path, right? The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So few even find it. Very few people actually successfully find the narrow way that leads to eternal life. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually, who actually not think they are doing, who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, 
I never knew you. Go away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Praise the Lord. If we go to Luke 13, it says, uh, this is from verse 23. It says, someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, walk hard, walk hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try. I want you to listen to this. It said, many will try. Many will try. Many will come to church. Many will say hallelujah. Many will sing. Many will serve in the choir. Many will serve in production, serve in, the, in, the, um, in RG. Many people will be pastors. Many will try. Many will open ministries. Many will try. Many will try. But will fail. Many will try, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you, and you taught us in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you came from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. It's interesting that these people, they said that they were so convinced that they ate and drank with the Lord. They were so convinced that they lived their life fellowshipping with God. They ate and drank with him. And Jesus didn't only say, I don't know you. He said, I don't even know where you came from. Meaning that they were not even in the same location. They were never, if, if, if you are walking with me, how will I not know where you came from? If we're walking together. Which means these people were not even walking with Jesus, but they were walking with someone or a God that they thought was God, that they thought was Jesus, and they were eating and dining and fellowshipping with that God who they thought was Jesus. But it really wasn't Jesus. It really wasn't the true God. And God said that on that day, he would say to them, I don't know where you came from. We were never walking together. Verse 28 says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. It's not about thinking you're following God. It's about making sure that you are actually walking with God. There are gods out there that look like God. There are things out there that look like Jesus. But they're not. Who are you eating and dining with? Are you sure that the, the God you're eating and dining with is the true God? Or do you have a fake, a false, corrupted uh, version of God? A version of God that you're comfortable with? Praise the Lord. So it is very important if the only people that will enter the kingdom of heaven are those who will do God's will, it's very important to know what is God's will? What is what? What is God's will? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, for the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things under, uh, uh, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, 
the son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over every everything everywhere God's end game is to rule over what everything everywhere to sit on top and everyone is beneath him that is his end game Romans 8:29 it says for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters God is establishing a family amen a family in which he would be the head of that family and Jesus would be the firstborn in that family first Timothy 4 it says this is good and pleases God our savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth for there is one God one one God who are you dining with who is this God that you're fellowshipping with? He said there's only one God. There's only one God and one mediator, Jesus, who can reconcile God to humanity, the man Christ Jesus. In John 6, 29, he said, Jesus told them, this is the only, only, only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. That's it. Believe what? Believe in the one he has sent. So if you put it all together, God wants to be the head of a family. And in that family, Jesus is the firstborn and he wants you to be part of that family as brothers and sisters in that family. Amen? God is after relationship. He's after relationship. He loves you. But make no mistake make no mistake there is no relationship you're going to have with God outside of one where he rules over you it's not going to happen I don't care how body body you get with God I don't care how much revelation he gives you I don't care how 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 much you you've, you miracles you've done in your life the only nature of a relationship you're ever going to have with God is one where he sits and rules over you Because at the end of the day, he is who? He's God. He's God. It's like if you want to be in a relationship with Onyeka, you want to be in a relationship with me. Yes, some people consider me a funny guy, but other people who work with me know that I like excellence. Some people who work with me know that I don't like anything being late. You have to relate with everything that I am. You understand what I'm saying? You can't just come to relate with funny Onyeka and ignore Onyeka that likes excellence. You can't come to relate with a loving God and ignore the fact that he is the king of kings. He is the father of spirits. He is the lord of lords. The one who is destined to reign utterly supreme over everything, everywhere, which includes reigning over you. In Ephesians 1, it says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. 
And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give, he will give us the inheritance he promised and that, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. To be what? His own people. To be part of that family. He did this so we would praise and glorify. Do you know what glorify means? Glorify means to put yourself under. To put uh, that thing you're glorifying above. To glorify him. That's the whole point. John 1, 12 to 13. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The whole point of you being born again is so that you can be in that family. That's the whole point. Praise the Lord. That's the whole point. But in that family, there's only one head. Even Jesus, who is God, the Bible said Jesus himself will submit to the authority. He will put himself under the authority of God. This has to sink in. You were purchased for a reason. You weren't purchased just to feel loved. Yes, God loves you. But you weren't purchased just to feel loved. You were purchased because God has a plan. And that plan is to reign supreme above everything. To build a family where he is the head. And if you do not accept that plan, then you are removing yourself from it. You are disqualifying yourself from it. Praise the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Luke eleven thirty five. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. And 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he what? Lest he fall. There's a reason why the Bible keeps telling you to check, make sure, make sure. Don't just assume. Don't just assume. Don't because you, you see miracles or whatever, assume that you are still in the faith. He said, go and test yourself and make sure that you are still in the faith. In, in our natural life, don't you do well checks? Don't you go to a doctor for physicals? God is telling you, you need a physical. You need to check yourself. You need to get checked. Are you still in the faith? The, the light you think you have, are you sure it's light? These people said, we ate and dined with him. He said, Lord, we ate and dined with you. Which means they were eating and dining with someone. They were eating and dining with a God. But God said, I don't know where you came from. You were not in the same location as me. This thing can catch you off guard. It can be so subtle. You swear. You will swear. You will be so convinced that you are following God, that you are in the faith, that you are believing in God, but you're not worshiping him. You're not glorifying him. He's not your Lord. You have a different Lord. You have a different Lord. And if you have a different Lord, you cannot come to God's family and claim to be part of it. You're not part of that family. 
anyone who does not submit to the lordship of Jesus is not part of God's sheepfold, is not part of that family. And you're on your way to hell where there'll be gnashing of teeth. You're not on your way to heaven. And I don't care if any believer around you keeps telling you you're righteous, you're a child of God. If you don't submit to the lordship of Jesus, you are not a child of God. Praise the Lord. Are you on the narrow road? Are you one of those group of people on the narrow road? Are you on the road that nearly everyone chooses? The Bible says nearly everyone chooses. And the narrow road, many people try. Many, few people find it. And even the ones that find it, they try to go into it. They try it. And he said they fail. So it's, it's, it's difficult to find. And even when you find it, to get into it, the Bible said it is many people try and they what? They fail. They fail. If this doesn't make you realize your dependence, the need for Jesus to be your shepherd, the need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what will make you. So let's look at the broad road. In the parable of the farmer, so you can tell which road you're on based on the condition of your heart. You can tell which road you're on based on the condition of your heart, right? So in Matthew 13, he says, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on the footway, on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. So first seeds, it said that the seed fell on the footpath and birds came and ate it. Second seed, it fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And it said this seed sprouted quickly. Because the soil was shallow, but plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns. They grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. If your heart doesn't fall into the category of the fourth one, you're not part of God's family. You're headed towards destruction. If you fall into any one of the, the first three hearts, if your heart is, is, can be characterized by any of the first three, you're on your way to hell. You're not on your way to heaven. Don't deceive yourself. You're on your way to hell. The only group of people are those people who have the heart where the seed came in and produced fruits. So on the broad road, there are three lanes. Imagine a, imagine a really wide road with, very, with three lanes. It's divided into three lanes, right? This was the imagery God showed me. The first lane is the lane of the blind. He called it the lane of the blind. I just shortened it to the blind lane. But his exact words to me were, this is the lane of the blind. 
in Matthew 13, 19, he said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The lane of the blind. These are people who they cannot hear. They, they, they are not able to, when the word is preached, when, when the message of, of, of the good news is preached to them, when even sermons, even if you claim to be a Christian, when, when the, the word is being delivered, he said they are incapable of hearing it, being attentive to it. They don't even recognize that God is speaking when God speaks. They don't recognize God's voice. They don't understand what they are hearing. They can't understand it. And finally, they can't even receive it. If this describes you, you're in the lane of the blind. I don't care how many years you've quote-unquote been a Christian. You're on your way to destruction. You're in the lane of what the Bible said, what, what God told me is the lane of the blind. If you read John 10, 27, it says, the sheep that are my own, the sheep that are whose own? My own. They hear and are listening to my voice. They hear and they are constantly paying attention. You know, you know when somebody is giving that, you're constantly listening out. You're constantly what? Listening out for their voice. It's not just hearing. There is an, there is a, an ongoing attentiveness for the voice of God. If you come to church and that's the only time you're listening for God's voice, you're on your way to destruction. If you come to church and it's only when you're here on Sunday, that's the only word of God you hear. You're, you don't live a life of, a, of constant attentiveness to the voice of God. You are on your way to destruction. Is it better that I tell you now so that you can go and assess yourself and go on your knees before God and say, God, please search me and help me. Please take me to a point where I am genuinely part of your sheepfold. It is better that you hear it now than that you hear it from him when you stand before him. John 8 it says, John 8 verse 42 says, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me for listen, 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 please. If you are really, if you are really, if you just let the word of God enter your heart, you will see, you will see a change. He said, for you are the children of your father who? The devil. These are not my words. This is not Onyeka saying that you are a father, you are a child of the devil. This is God himself. The reason why you can't hear, the reason why you can't understand, the reason why you, you, you don't pay attention to God's voice, you don't actively like attentively live a life of attentiveness to God's word, the reason why you can't receive um, uh, the word of God when it comes to you is because you are a child of the devil. You haven't yet come into the family of God. And he said you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. He, when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. When I tell you the truth, you just naturally, you just what naturally don't believe me. Which 
of you can truly accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone, listen, anyone who belongs to God, anyone who is part of this family, gladly, gladly, gladly. It says anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. In John 7, 17, it says, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. In John 10, verse 4 to 5, it says, when he has brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never on any account follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize their call. I am the good shepherd and I know and recognize my own and my own know and recognize me. If you fall into the category of people who you don't live a life of attentiveness to the word of God, it is because you are not a child of God. Point Plain, simple. You're not a child of God. If you find yourself offended by the word of God, you, you're unable to just gladly listen to it. You're not a child of God. It's not my words. That's what the Bible says. If you find yourself, you don't know God is speaking to you. You never know when God is speaking to you. That is a huge red flag. This is, people don't understand the severity of this. You live your life you don't know. You don't know when God... The Bible said anyone who wants to do the will of God will know. Will know when God's message is coming from who? From God. They will know when... They will know if, if these things that Jesus said is coming from God or from him. You will believe the words of Jesus. If you find yourself, you're not sure. You're not sure. You don't know. You don't know. You, you, you can't tell if, if, if this is God... You read things in the Bible, you don't know if it's God's word, you're, you're contemplating, is this God? My God, my God, you are on the broad path. John 8, 43 to 44. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear, for you are children of your father, the devil. Matthew 13, 10, it says, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. And Proverbs 19 tells us that understanding is the knowledge of the anointed one, God. If, if Praise the Lord. If you find yourself unable to understand the word of God when it is told to you, my God, that is a what? A red flag. That is a what? A red flag. This is not saying that, that a sermon is preached and you don't understand it. That means that you're on the path to destruction. This is, what I'm saying is, what the word of God is saying is, you find that you literally do not have the ability you understand what I'm saying? Because something can be preached and you don't understand it and you go, you ask, oh, please, can you, can you explain this? Can you teach me? Can you? It's when you've noticed that you don't even have the ability to spiritually discern the word of God, 
Spirit, not mentally understand it, spiritually understand the word of God. That is a huge sign that you are on the broad path. John 8, 37 to 41, it says, yes, I realize you are descendants of Abraham, yet some of you are trying to kill me. Verse 38, I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. <laughs> Remember, who, who were they dining with? They thought they were dining with Jesus. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. If you were really children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth. When God uses somebody to, to teach you the word, to, to tell you the truth, to correct you, do you try to kill them? Do you get offended in your heart? Does your heart get offended when you hear the word of God? This is a huge sign that you're on the broad path. You're not on the narrow road. This is a huge sign that you're not part of the sheepfold of God. It's, it's a red flag. Praise the Lord. You have to look for the combination of these things. You can't hear. You can't understand. You can't receive and you can't recognize. If you have all four, don't, you don't need to test any further. You're not a child of God. There's no need to even listen to the rest of this sermon. You can stop right here and you can just go on your knees and start praying. If we go to Luke 11, 34 to 36, it says, the eyes of your spirit now, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in, but when your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. These people, their heart is full of darkness. There's no light in them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please, please, search yourself. Search yourself. Do you have the ability to hear? Do you, have you established, is, do you notice a pattern in your life of not being able to receive the word of God? You get offended by it. Not being able to understand spiritually, discern what the word of God is saying. These are signs that you're not part of the family of God. These are signs that you are, if, even if you're part of the family of God, it's a sign that you're on the, on the broad way. You're headed to destruction. Either way, if you notice these things, it ain't good for you. You're on your way to hell. The second lane, which in, in the vision God showed me, it was in the middle. I saw this thing, and I saw a crowd of people walking. In the second lane, God called it the double-minded lane. The double-minded lane. Matthew 13, verse 20 to 21, it said, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So these people heard the message. <laughs> they heard the message, not, not the hearing that saves. We'll get into that. But they heard the message with their physical ear. They heard it and they received it with joy. And verse 21 says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as 
they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You have to have an enduring faith. One sign that you're on the broad path, one sign that you're not part of the sheepfold is when your faith is up and down. You understand what I'm saying? When your faith is up and down, today you believe God. Next year you don't believe God. This year you believe God. Next year you don't believe God. This year you're just up and down. You're all over the place. That is a sign that you are headed for destruction. John 8 verse 31 to 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain what? Faithful to what? To your ideas? To your opinions? No. To what, is, to what the pastor preached? No. To what he has said in his word, to his teachings. So this is why it's important to make sure that what is being taught, Berean it. It's a word we say in, among the youths. Berean what? Berean it. Make sure that what you're hearing is actually the teaching of God. It's actually his word. Because many people are being deceived. In this church, I know you're not being deceived. But it's very important when you go on YouTube listening to sermons, you got to make sure. Are those his teachings you're hearing? Hebrews 6.12. Then you will become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, um, sorry, then you will not, you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit. They are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and what? Endurance. John 10, 28 to 29, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for the Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Anyone that is genuinely part of the sheepfold, the Bible says you're in the Father's hand. Anyone who is actively, actively listening, attentive to the voice of God, who hears, understands, um, receives, and recognizes the voice of God, these people, the Bible said, they are in the Father's what? Hand. No one can snatch them away. If you notice a pattern of fluctuation in your faith in Jesus, in your faith in God, you're on the broad road you're on the broad road. Are you a Christian for the right reasons? In fact, I don't, I don't even want to phrase it like that. Are you, are you in this for the right reasons? Do you quote unquote come to Jesus for the right reasons? You see, you must enter a relationship with Jesus to know and please him, not to receive goods that he offers. His presence must be paramount to your needs. Jesus does not want a need-based relationship. When you're not close to somebody, you will notice that your conversations are mostly need-based. The only time they call you is when they need something like, oh, um, are you in church? Um, please, can you help me do this? And the only time you call them is when you need something. The, the closer you are, the more presence-based your conversations come if, to the point where if you're dating somebody, you can literally just have the person in your ear. You can call them, put your headset in, and just go about your day. You don't really have anything to say to them, but all you are interested in is their presence. So just have them on the phone. 
What is your relationship with Jesus like? Is it need-based? What do you pray about when you pray? That, that would tell you, and that would be an indication of telling you whether you're on the broad path, on the narrow path, whether you're actually engaging God, you're actually engaging Jesus in, an, in, a, in a relationship, in a meaningful relationship, or whether you're just trying to go dig him. When you're sick, then you go to him. When you need a job, then you go to him. When you want admission into medical school, then you go to him. But every single time he prompts you to pray, every single time he prompts you to read the word, when he instructs you, you do what you want to do. You're not on the narrow road. You're not on the narrow road. If you read 1 John 2, 19, it says, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have what? They would have stayed. These people left, people who deflect. The Bible said, the Bible said, it, it, it described them and said that, um, they never really belonged with us, otherwise they would have stayed. When they left, it's what? It's what? That they did not belong with us. All this, somebody's backsliding, somebody, oh, we are backsliding, backsliding. You stop believing in Jesus, you, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. Three years later, you believe, two years later, you don't. The Bible said this is an indication that you never were part of the sheepfold. People who are part of the sheepfold, God is able to hold them in. To lock them what? In. If you see that you're not locked in, it's a sign that you're not being held. If you see that you're what? Your faith is not locked into Christ. It's not, it keeps going in and out. It's a sign that you're what? You're not being held in the Father's hand. It's an indication that you're not really trusting God. Maybe you're trying to do it on your own power. And if you're such a person, you're on the broad path. John 2, 23 to 24, it says, um, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the signs, they believed in his name. Many believed in his name when they saw what? The signs which he did. They believed in his name when they what? When they saw, not when the word entered their hearts, when they saw the signs. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. Praise the Lord. If you come to Jesus for anything other than to be Jesus, be my Lord, he does not commit what? Himself to you. Which of you will marry somebody who is not interested in being with you. They just want your car. They just want your money. They just want your wisdom. They, you, you, maybe you, you, you're, you're a good stock trader and they want you to be giving them insights into the market. But they are not interested in what? In you. They are not interested in knowing you. They are not interested in, in trusting you. They are not interested in committing themselves to you. When you speak, they treat it like it's nothing. Who or which among you, male or female, will marry that person? And you think Jesus will? It's not everybody that walks down the aisle and says, Lord, come into my heart. That Jesus, Jesus looks at your heart and he decides, I'm not going in there. This heart that you're asking me to come into, you're, you're trying to get me to come in there and be a roommate to these other gods. I'm not going in there. You're trying to get me to come in and and share, share this space, share your heart. 
with other things. I'm not going in there. He didn't commit himself to them. It's not everybody that says, God, I want to follow you, that Jesus says, okay, follow me. In fact, the Bible said, you didn't pick me. I picked you. God looks at your heart. If your heart, if your heart is not right, Jesus does not do what? He does not come in there. Do not be deceived. It's not everybody that said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, be my Lord. That is a Christian. So when you hear Christians tell this story, which a lot of Christians have, I gave my life to Christ, but I wasn't taking God seriously. I, wasn't, I didn't really care about God. And then 10 years later, I now really started taking God seriously. Do you know what they've just told you? They thought they gave their life to Christ. They lived for 10 years as an unbeliever who was convinced that they were a Christian, and then finally they now gave their life to Christ. That whole time that they, they said they weren't taking God seriously, they were actually unbelievers. They were not Christians. Praise the Lord. Please, 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 don't assume that the person you're dining with is the Lord Jesus. Do not assume. Go and really make sure are you in the faith. Go and really make sure are you what? In the faith. We're still on the double-minded lane. The people who, they don't have enduring faith in Christ. So, are you in it for the right reasons? Are you in it for a genuine relationship to submit to the Lordship of Jesus? Or are you in it for other things? If you're in it for other things, you're not part of the sheepfold. Jesus is not in your heart. I don't care. I, I, when I was young, I faked speaking in tongues for a while. You can fake it. I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care what evidence you have. If you, your heart, if, you're not, if you haven't come to Jesus for a complete, absolute surrender to Jesus as Jesus, be my absolute Lord. Only you be my Lord. You don't have the spirit of God. That's what the Bible does what? says and is either you're lying to me or the word of God is lying there must be a heart level commitment to to who to Jesus without that heart level commitment you're deceiving yourself do you believe that or do you believe in this was something God taught me way back in April you must believe the testimony about Jesus, about Jesus, who he is, his intentions, and what he did. You must also believe in Jesus. That is to say, you must believe in his ability. The reason why I'm reading this is because this is exactly what God told me. And I wrote it down and I said, I'm going to just read exactly what he said before I even start talking. What he did, you must also believe in Jesus. That is to say, you must believe in his ability to keep you, to successfully lead you to the Father. You must trust in his instructions and directions, allow him to call the shots. It is one thing to believe that someone can walk a tightrope over a 300-foot drop while carrying a human being because you read about it or you even saw videos about it. It is another to allow the person to do it while carrying you. This is the difference between believe that and believe in. Believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is to believe in his integrity, his ability, his faithfulness, his power, his authority, enough to entrust yourself to him. 
Praise the Lord. Do you believe that or do you believe in, do you just believe in the story of Jesus or do you believe in the protagonist of the story? Do you believe in who the story is about? In James 2.19, it says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Even demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Matthew 8, 28 to 29 says, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through the area. They began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us who? Son of God. Son of God. Even the demons believe that Jesus is who? They believe what? That. They believe what? That. They believe that Jesus is the son of God. So if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, congratulations, you're on the level of what? The demons. You have not gone any higher than them in your belief. Praise the Lord. You have not gone any higher than who? Than the demons. The demons also believe that. You're not any special. What separates us from demons is that we believe in. We believe in Jesus' integrity, his word, his authority, enough to actually submit to him. In John 6, 67 to, uh, 60 to 70, he says, many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? There's that offend thing again. Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort, human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I speak to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Remember in verse 60, he said many of his what? Disciples. These people were following Jesus, but they didn't believe in. They didn't what? They didn't believe in. They were just following him because he was doing miracles, but they hadn't entrusted their life to him, submitted to his lordship. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. This is, these are the people that believed that. Oh, Jesus can heal. Your son is sick. Oh, Jesus can heal your son. You need food. Oh, Jesus can, he can feed 5,000. They believed that. They heard the stories and they believed the stories. These people, these people, if, if, if you tell them that, that Jesus is not God, they will argue with you. No, Jesus is God. No, Jesus really came in the flesh. No, Jesus really died and he paid the penalty for my sin. They will argue with you the, the facts of the Bible. This is a mental belief. They will argue with you the what? the facts of the Bible, but they have not personally submitted their hearts to the lordship of what? Of Jesus. They don't believe in. They believe that. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, 
are you also going to live? Now, see, see the people who believe in. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would what? To whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. Do you see the difference? Do you see where Peter's heart was? Peter's heart was for Jesus. It wasn't for the signs and wonders and all that stuff. It was for who? For Jesus. Eternal life means to know God. He said, I just want to know you. Where am I going? It's only if I'm here listening to your words that I will know you. That is the heart of somebody who is engaging Jesus in the type of relationship that he wants. And it is very important to note what Jesus said. He said, did I not pick you? I chose you. Jesus is very picky about who, who follows him. Jesus is what? He's very picky. People really think, there's a scripture that says anyone that comes to me, uh, I will by no means cast them out. But if you read the line right before that, he said, these people were given to me by my father and uh, um, anyone my father has given to me comes to me and these people that come to me, I will by no means cast them out. But he started it by saying, anyone that my father has what? Given to me. It's not just anyone that comes to Jesus that Jesus just jumps into their heart. Why are you there? Do you believe in me or do you believe that? Jesus doesn't just commit himself to anyone. So some people really think that they are walking around with the spirit of God, but they're not. They are walking around with a spirit, but it's not the spirit of God. If you see that you haven't fully, wholeheartedly, you haven't come to a point of a wholehearted commitment to submitting to Jesus, you haven't come to a point where you wholeheartedly trust your, your life to Jesus, that is a what? A red flag. This doesn't mean that you don't stumble. You know, when you're in a relationship, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, there is a premise with, with, that has to be there or else the person won't even start the relationship with you. What is that premise? Moving forward, you're committed to just me and I'm committed to just you, right? If that understanding isn't, isn't agreed on, does the relationship even start? It doesn't. If you go, go to somebody for the first time and say, man, I want to be in a relationship with you, but look, listen, um, I want to be with you, but I also want to keep my ex. What would they say to you? Get thee behind me. Who are you? So Jesus is the same way. You don't come to Jesus and say, man, I want to follow you, but I, I kind of want to keep seeing the world. I kind of want to keep seeing my friends. Jesus won't take it. He's very picky. He's very what? Picky. Now, of course, in the relationship, there might be times you stumble, but you will notice that because of that heart-level commitment, you're willing to engage in anything to get back on track. So you're willing to engage in conversations, get counseling, whatever it takes. You get what I'm saying? To what? To actually, to actually in reality, be in that relationship with that person. But from the beginning, there was a heart level what? Commitment. From the beginning, you wholeheartedly gave, you gave the entirety of your heart to that person. That happened in the beginning. This is what must happen. You can't just believe that. You must believe in. Do you believe in or do you believe that? Are you in it for the right reasons? 
This is how you know if you're on the broad path or if you're on the narrow path. The last lane on the Broadway was idolatry lane. In Matthew 13, 22, it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is what? Produced. No fruit is produced because, because they are so choked up with the things of this world. Their mind is not on things above. This is very, very serious. Are you committed to just Jesus? Jesus wants only those who will be committed to him alone. Your love for him must be far superior to your love for anyone or anything else. You cannot be seeing anyone else in this relationship. Idolatry is unacceptable. Idolatry is what? It is unacceptable. Luke 14, 26 to 28. It says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my what? Disciple. But this is verse 33. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction in a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Verse, uh, verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. It's not my words, it's the word of God. If you haven't come to a point where you have forsaken all, this is what the Bible is saying. Not me. This is what the Bible is saying. You haven't even begun to become a Christian. Isn't that what it's saying? If you haven't come to the point where you have given up everything for Jesus, you have not even begun your journey of Christianity. So whatever you think you are, you are everything but a child of God. You're not a child of God. The Bible said you cannot be my disciple. Not, the first thing that has to happen is an abandonment of all. You give up everything you, you own. But this is a heart giving up. This is not saying to go and sell all your property. This is saying in your heart, you denounce your attachment to everything. And it has to come from a heart level, not from your brain, not from a mind level. It has to come from a heart level. And then, if you do that, then Jesus moves in and he starts empowering you to actually, literally give up things. To detach from friends, to give up shows that you watch, to give up anything that is not producing righteousness in you. But it starts with a giving up of things. Your heart, your, that's what it means to give your life to Christ. Give your heart to him wholeheartedly. If in your heart, there are things that you're not willing to give up for Jesus, that you haven't given up for Jesus. That is a sign that you haven't even begun your journey of Christianity. You haven't begun what? Your journey. It hasn't even started. Because if Jesus said, until you give up everything, until there's a heart level giving up, 
you cannot be my disciple. Then, how can you have been a disciple without giving up? It's not possible. Matthew 19, 16 to 22 says, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, it's if you, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones the man asked? And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. He didn't say go and invest it. He told him go and give it to the poor. Basically, you're not getting it back. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then, do you see the word? Then what? Then means, first of all, do this. Then after doing this, what happens? Then, then come and follow me. But the young man, when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus was trying to show him that in your heart, you, your heart is still attached to your possessions. So your journey of Christianity cannot even begin. Do you understand what the Bible is saying here? Do not be deceived. Any Christian you hear that is saying, oh, I'm struggling to give this up for Jesus. Just look them in the face and say, you're not a Christian. You're not what? You're not a Christian. Your journey has not even started. This is why many people on that day will say, Lord, Lord, we ate and dined. We served in ministries. I was studying the Bible and your spirit spoke to me. Whatever spirit spoke to you was not the spirit of God. It was your mind. It was your brain. Because when the spirit of God speaks to you, it produces fruit. It produces repentance. It produces a change in your life. It doesn't just give you, ah, I understand, ah. Praise the Lord. Are you on the narrow road? Now, let's go into the narrow road. So remember, the broad road had three lanes. It had blind lane, it had double-minded lane, and it had idolatry lane. This is where most people, most people are on this road, in one lane or the other, but most people are on this road. Now, let's see the people who are on the narrow road. In Matthew 13, 23, it says, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest. So listen, it said those who what? Truly. Who what? Truly. Who truly? Remember the other people that, that I said they heard. And I told you that this is, not a, this is not the hearing that saves. This is a hearing of the ears or a hearing of whatever. This is not, the Bible said that, that these people, they have ears, but they do not what? They don't hear. They have eyes, but they do not what? They don't see. This is a different kind of hearing. He said, those who truly hear and truly understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And he said, these are the good soil. These are the children of God. Do you produce fruit? Do you what? 
Do you bear fruit? Sorry, I shouldn't say produce because you don't produce it. But do you bear fruit? Are you, is the fruit hanging off of you? Can I observe fruit? You don't produce it. Please let me correct that. You don't produce the fruit, but do you bear it? Is it hanging? Is, is the fruit of righteousness attached to you? Every Christian should ask themselves, or let me not say every Christian, every professing Christian should ask themselves, evaluate. Do you bear the fruit of repentance, number one? Repentance? Do you bear the fruit of righteousness that is obedience to God? That is being a doer of the word? And do you bear the fruit of love? If a single one of these three things is missing in your life, you are not what? You're not on the narrow road. You're on the broad road. You're on the broad road. You're on your way to hell. If you die in that state, my goodness, you are going to hear the Lord Jesus stand before you and say, I never knew you or where you came from. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you are not bearing the fruit of repentance, obedience to God, and love, you are on the broad road. These are the things that when you truly have the spirit of God in you, that spirit produces. It produces it in you. So if you're not seeing it, then the only two options are that you have the spirit and the spirit is not producing it or you just don't have the spirit. And I'm inclined to believe that you just don't have the spirit of God in you. Praise the Lord. Don't forget that the word of God is spirit and life. I'll, I'll get into that on Sunday. Let me not go into Sunday's sermon. But let's... Let's go into uh, John 15. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my what? When you produce what? Much fruit. You are my true disciples, not those fake ones that would desert me. These are the genuine disciples, the ones who produce much fruit. This brings great joy to my father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I keep saying this because on Sunday I'll get into it. It's not by your effort. But we're not going to get into that today. Today the focus is just to evaluate yourself. Are you on the broad way or are you on the narrow way? Are you truly a child of God? Are you dining and eating with the devil? And you think that's God you're dining and eating with? Are you dining and eating with the God of self? Or, or, and you think that that is God that you're eating and dining with? You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting. Here's that word. What? Lasting. Not fruit that is alive today, dies tomorrow, alive today, dies tomorrow. That's not fruit produced by the Spirit of God. This fruit that God is talking about, it lasts. It what? It lasts. This week you're loving. Next year you're, you're not loving. You go through a hard time, you're not loving. You go through a good time, you're loving. You, if some, you fail your exam, you're not loving. You pass your exam, you're loving. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. You go one year, you're not loving. You get another girlfriend, you're now loving. That's, that, that love is not the fruit. That is not what? The fruit. The Bible said this fruit, it lasts. 
I appointed you to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is why many people pray and God doesn't respond to them. You know, to know God is for God to know you. It's for God to know you. How do, I, how do you know that you know uh, Elon Musk? Pull out your phone and call him. Put it on speakerphone. Let's hear how he responds to you on the phone. Because anyone can say, I know Elon Musk. But based on his response, I will know if you know about Elon Musk or if you truly know him. So when you say you know Elon Musk, what, what, what I want to know is, does he know you? How does he respond to you? Can you walk up in his house? Walk up in his house and take a video. If you can't do that, you don't know him. You just know about him. We are not called to know about God. That's why Jesus said you search the scriptures for in them you think you'll, you'll find eternal life. The scriptures tell you about God. But if you really want to know God, you have to go to Jesus and submit to his lordship. And then he will reveal himself to you. That's how it works. No man can give you a revelation of Jesus. No one can do it. I can just tell you about him. It's like you have a problem. I can tell you, oh, there's this guy who fixes this kind of problem. I can just give you information. But until you actually go to Jesus and drink for yourself and taste his lordship and taste his lordship, you are spiritually dead. You don't have the life of God in you and you should stop calling yourself a child of God because you're not. The first thing you need to do is become a true child of God. That's where you should start. Praise the Lord. Matthew 3, verse 9 to 10 says, don't just say to each other, we are safe, we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Every tree that does not bear uh, good fruit. The Bible says every branch in me that what? that does not produce good fruit, I will cut off. I will cut off. There's a scripture that I didn't put in my notes, but it's somewhere in the New Testament. You can Google it. It said, beware of the kindness and severity of God. Why? Because if you believe in Jesus, you get grafted. If you don't believe in Jesus, you, you can be removed. You can get chopped off. You can get what? Chopped off. Your, your, your faith in Jesus has to be lasting. It's an ongoing thing, but it's not by your power. We'll get into that on Sunday. It's not by your power. But if you notice that it's not lasting, that is a huge red flag. It's because people don't know that that is a sign. That is an indicator that they are on their way to hell. That's why they are comfortable with it. They just live their life comfortable. They don't understand the word of God. They are unable to receive it. They got offended by it. They can't recognize when God is talking to them. They, 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 their faith today they believe, the next day they don't believe. And they are comfortable with that because they don't understand that they are literally on their way to hell. If you knew that you're literally on your way to hell, you would urgently, urgently, you would take off work. Nothing is more important. You will urgently get on your knees and say, Lord, please, please help me. Like, search me and let me know. Am I really serving you? Am I really in the faith? God, please, if I'm not, help me surrender to Jesus. Help me truly, genuinely accept his lordship, please. I can't do it on my own. I can't help me conform to your will. 
This will become your heart's cry. But because people don't associate these things with being thrown into the uh, fire where there's gnashing of teeth, they don't associate it with, with these things determine if you're going to spend eternity with God or out apart from God. There's no sense of urgency. Everybody's just chilling. It's not a big deal. Oh, we are under grace. Oh, God loves me. You, 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 you realize on judgment day that God is not just love. He's a bunch of other things. He's not just love. If all, you want, if all you want is the love of God, you will never have God. Praise the Lord. In Luke, um, so there must be an immediate an immediate and observable fruit of repentance. Repentance of the heart. There must be an immediate, immediate, pay attention to those two words, immediate. It's immediate and observable. Not this, I gave my life to Christ, but I didn't repent. I, was, I, I still, I, still um, I didn't care about God. I wasn't interested in serving Jesus. And then 10 years, no, it's an immediate in your heart. There's an immediate change in your heart. A, an immediate replacement of desires in your heart immediate you grow in the actual doing but you see that that heart that change of heart it's immediate praise the lord in luke 19 8 to 9 zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visit to his home and joyously welcomed jesus zacchaeus stood in front of the lord and said half of all that i own i will give to the poor the lord and, and Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, your what? Your what? Your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household and that you are a true son of what? Abraham. It wasn't until there was the fruit of repentance you saw Zacchaeus saying, I don't want to do these bad things anymore. All this cheating I'm doing, I'm going to, re, I'm going to make it right. And then Jesus said, this, this repentance, this thing you said, it shows that salvation truly has come to you and that you are a genuine child of God. Praise the Lord. Sometimes when people say they, they, they want to rededicate their life, really what, what, what they are really doing is now for the first time giving their life is not a rededication. You're now for the first time actually just giving your life. All, the, all that while you thought you were a Christian but you weren't. Praise the Lord. Matthew 4, 18 to 20. I said sometimes. <laughs> One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing their nets into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets the next day and followed him. They left their nets when? At once. At what? At once. At once. In Acts 2, 37 to 38, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him, uh, and they said to him and to the other apostles, 
brothers, what should we what do? Do you see this fruit of immediate repentance? Immediate, and it's observable. It's not, it's not a quiet repentance. It's observable. All this one where you say, come and give your life to Christ. Oh, I don't want to come out. I'm shy. You're not ready. You're not prepared for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not coming into your heart. You see, if, if, if the word really penetrates your heart, right? If you truly are a seed of Abraham and brought into the family, when they give an order, in fact, you won't even be waiting, oh, say, Lord, Lord, come in, come in. You yourself will call out to Jesus. When we get on Sunday, I'll show you. You yourself, on your own, you will cry out. Like, you, it's not me urging you and begging you and like, no. No, it'll be something you want to do. It'll be something, if I'm pushing you, it's because what surrender, what does surrender mean? Is it not you? You surrender. If I'm urging you, I'm pushing you, and it's like, come, it's okay. Okay, I'm shy. You're not serious. You're not prepared for the kingdom of heaven. This thing is not a joke. Jesus is very picky. He's incredibly picky. Matthew 3, 8, prove by the way you live that you have repented. Matthew eleven twenty. 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't what? Repented. That's the whole point of the miracles. If you read the New Testament, the book of Acts, you'll see that a lot of the signs and wonders, the Bible will say Jesus, that, that God did these things to confirm their message. To do what? To confirm their message. It's to repent. It's to repent. If, if you, any, any other thing that any other thing that the word of God is producing, if it lacks repentance, it is fake. All the other results you're seeing is fake. If it's not causing a change of heart, praise the Lord. If it's not causing a change of affections, a change of, of love, a switch from the love of this world to the love of God, if it's not causing that, if it's not affecting that change, it is fake. It hasn't, it hasn't it's not bearing fruit. You're on the broad path. You're not part of those people being saved. We are saved and being saved. You're not part of those people being saved. Praise the Lord. Finally, the trajectory of your life, the trajectory of your life is growth in righteousness and love. There should be an observable growth in your life. You grow in the fruit that the Spirit is producing. If you're stagnant, that's a sign that you're, you're now what? On the broad road. Anyone on the narrow road constantly grows. That's what the Bible said. It said, any, any branch in me that bears fruit, what happens? My father prunes them so that they will bear even more what? Fruit. If you're not bearing even more fruit, then that's a huge sign. That's a what? And remember the other scripture, he said he, said, he, said he that bears much fruit. No, not one, one fruit, much. If you're not growing, if you're stagnant, that's a huge red flag that you have walked away from the truth and you're now on your way to hell. You're on your way to destruction. Christian, 30 years, you're still carnal-minded. That's a huge sign. That's a very, that, you, why are you going to work? Why, I don't understand. Why are you, what business do you have going to work? When literally if a car hits you on your way from church, on your way to work, and you die, you are going to hell. There's no growth. 
there is no what? Growth. The Bible said those whom he loves, he, 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 chast- he chastens, he disciplines, he trains them. There will be the fruit of righteousness. That is obedience to God. I'm going to stop here because of time, but I'll see you on Sunday. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to um, just close in prayer and then um, pray over the offering. And after the offering, we're going to have our pastor come up and teach on healing for a little bit. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity for us to come together, God, to hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you have spoken through your servant. I just pray, God, that it would bear much fruit in our hearts. I also pray over the offering, Lord, that you bless it, that we give willingly that which you have given us, and we thank you for it, because it will be used to your glory. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. The Lord. Okay, so we're going to do uh, some minutes teaching on healing. Unfortunately, my iPad is dead. Let me see if I can connect it. See if I can connect it and then. Is there any point here? Okay. Good. All right. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to share in this teaching that helps us to walk in health because therein lies the fullness of our joy. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, oh no. Uh, let me get it. Yeah, got it right here. Okay, we're looking at the healing. Um, someone said something very, very interesting. He said that reading the scriptures daily, studying it daily, 
with all your heart, with the goal of learning, has many benefits to you just for the fact that you study scripture. Many benefits to you, which includes the healing of your body. Because it builds your faith to receive your healing. Because the word you're taking is God's medicine. God sends it to heal you, to deliver you, and to provide you all the blessings of God. So in Revelation 1, 2, it confirms what this pastor was saying. It says, who, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw? Blessed is he who reads. If you read, blessed are you. Those who hear the word of this prophecy. And then keep those things which are written in it. Three times that you read it at all, and that you hear it, we'll be hearing about. God is amazing. Last Sunday, the Lord told me, he said, many Christians are not committed to do my word. Did you hear it? He said, they are not committed to do my word at all. They are not interested in it. So he says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and then do they keep it. They read it here, because you can read and not hear. Read here and keep. So reading scriptures, you know, brings on its own blessings, like the scripture has said. Because all blessings pronounced in the scripture begin to manifest in your life in the measure that you study the scriptures. Ignorance will hinder them from manifesting. Ignorance is a major hindrance. So Proverbs chapter 4, 20 says, My son, attend to my words. Which means, give attention to what I say. Incline your ears unto my saying. Then to my words. How do you know when you have heard God's word? It's when you do it. It's doing, that means I've heard it. So when you tell somebody to do something, if he hasn't done it, what questions do we ask? We say, didn't you hear me? Didn't you hear what I said? Because you haven't seen them doing it. So he says, my son, attend to my words, incline their ears unto my saying. Let them not depart from their ears. Keep them in the midst of their heart, for they are life. Isn't it surprising that God is teaching us how to have life? And... Do we have any option than to listen to him? They are life unto those who find them. Because not everybody hears it. Not everybody finds it. And health to all their flesh. God is prescribing to us how to remain healthy. How to be healed. So we meditate on it day and night. Is what I've been talking about. But tonight I just want to talk about the battle of confession. Of faith. The enemy wants you to confess his words. And those words are the words of death. Those are the words of death. He wants you to agree with him. He wants to create fear through those things. Once fear is coming, then you are not hearing God. It's not God that will come and be magnifying your sickness and telling you oh, this can kill you. That's the devil. 
that's the devil. So he wants to, you to confess the same words that produce death. The Bible says words can produce life, can produce death, but because the devil is a killer, so he begins to want you to say what he's saying to you. That this will kill you. This is this, so. this is that. So. Remember what, you know, what they say, though. He wants to magnify, amplify those his words so that you come into agreement with him. And how do I come into agreement with him? You start saying what he's saying. You know, you think you are the one thinking, but he's the one that is injecting those thoughts into you. And then sometimes you just sit there and start meditating on them. And fear grips your heart. Listen, two cannot work together except they agree. If you deny him that agreement, he's in trouble. That's why the Bible said, don't make room for him. Don't allow him in because you can't stop him. You can't resist him. You can't refuse to accept what he said. So you don't make a door for him. But the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, wants you to say also what he's saying. Because again, two can't work together except they agree. And he wants you to say what he's saying consistently. Because that gives him room to be performing the word for you. Sometimes healings are instant. Sometimes they are gradual. They are gradual. I, I listened to John Gillett talking about how a brother that had very serious sickness that it took them seven months of consistently speaking the word, speaking the word, seven months. The thing was gradually, gradually, seven months he was fully restored. But I'm not saying your own will take seven months. What I'm trying to say is that the Holy Spirit wants you to be consistent to the end. So you wear the crown. Wearing the crown means you, have, you experience full victory. Sometimes the miracles start but they are not consummated because we are not steady. So the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, wants you to say what he's saying. Keep saying it. You say, I don't see anything. Those things you are looking at, it's not what God said. What God said is in the Bible. Your body is speaking, but God said his own. Abraham's body was speaking. Abraham refused to listen, refused to listen refused to consider it. He considered only one thing, what God said. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He wants us to listen to him and consider what he's saying. My son, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Attend to my words. I had somebody who came to my office. He had issues and then I decided he wanted me to pray and I said, no, I'm not praying for him. I said, all these things we've been teaching about healing, have you been listening he hasn't. I said, go home and listen to them. I'm not praying for it. Either you're serious or you're not. If you want to be healed, go listen to the word of God. I say, if you listen to all those things, you get it. And this is the, this is the point. We, people are always thinking that there has to be somebody. So I go there and then he will take away, remove the thing. But the same Holy Spirit told you, you must live by faith. 
He said, Holy Spirit, are you good? Is it, is it not, when you go there, is it good? They say, okay, you know, I excuse you. You know, I'm, I'm so happy. All those things being taught you, I'm happy. You didn't listen. You are not coming. He won't do that. He will not do that because he's sending you his own healing, his own medicine to heal you. He chose it that way because that's how you encounter God in your life. That's how you come to know God. It's one way you know God. When you encounter God in your life, he becomes more real to you than before. So look at, um, so he wants us to believe the works of the cross. All the works that grace has produced. He wants us to believe them. Because through grace, God gave us everything we need for life and godliness. He wants you to believe them. He wants you to accept them. He wants you to think about them. He wants you to confess them. That's why when you came to Christ, you confessed him. He still wants you to confess your healing. He wants you to confess your healing. Even though the symptoms are there, you confess your healing. In Romans 4, 2 to 3, 2 to 3, then I'll go to 13 to 18. Let's see the basis of our healing, really. And so we can know what the Holy Spirit, why he wants us to believe that. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. The Holy Spirit is saying to the church, the way to my blessings is the way Abraham assessed justification, righteousness, is Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Starting for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Abraham believed God. And remember that faith has evidence. Evidence is what you say. Evidence is what you act, what you do. Abraham believed God. Verse 13. I'm jumping to verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of it. For if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. See, this promise is given to you not because of what you did. You did it. It was God who gave it to us in Christ. So, so he used Abraham as an example. He said Abraham was given this thing, not because that Abraham paid for it, no. His, God gave it to him out of his grace, and Abraham simply received it as a free gift of God. Your healing is a gift of, of grace too. Jesus provided it. Jesus provided it. When Jesus came here, the Bible said, you know, we'll see him in the house of Peter. The Bible said that he healed all of them by his word. Then on the cross, he healed. You see, everybody that came to him, he healed them. Everybody that came to him when he was physically here, he healed them. Today, everybody that stakes cross to him and believes in him for healing also is healed. Even now, it's even... It's more available because then you needed to go to where he was as an individual physically. But now, all you need to do is to go to his word. 
Because he's the living word. Everybody that came to him, he healed them. Everybody. Everybody. The scriptures say it was fulfilled. That written by Isaiah that he himself bore our fitness and took our infirmities. That's true. Everybody that came to him for healing, he healed them. There was no one person who came he didn't heal. Today is the same. He said, how do I go to him? You go to his word. It's the living word. You go to his word because that word is the word he has sent to you to heal you. So it's an act of grace. 14, uh, verse 15, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression, 16. Therefore, it is of faith. It is of faith that it might be according to grace. It is of faith so that you receive it as an unmerited gift of God. It is of faith. Healing is of faith so that it will be by grace. If it's not of faith, then it's not of grace. And if it's not of grace, then it's not from Christ because Christ brought us grace. If it's not of grace, then it's not of Christ because Christ brought us grace. It's of faith. Like Abraham received, that's the way you receive. The Holy Spirit wants you to agree with him, say what he said, and he said, but I didn't see it. Say no, just say what I told you. Attend to my word. Don't attend to what is happening. Attend to my word and be consistent about that. So in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's how it works. Healing is sure to all the seed. The healing is of grace, but it's of faith, so that it should be by grace. It's of faith. It's of faith, so that it is grace. For Christ brought us grace. Christ brought us grace. It cost him something. He gave it prepared healing card. It's of grace. It's faith, so that it shall be of grace. Your healing is of grace. You receive it by faith. If he said to you, I have healed you, he wants you to believe it, accept it, say so, and act like it is so. And be consistent. Therefore, the fight, the, the fight of the Christian is the low hold on what God has given him by grace. Because that's where the enemy will come and try to confuse you and make you feel qualified for the healing. The Bible said, therefore, it is of faith so that it shall be by grace. Therefore, your healing comes to you by faith so that it shall be of Christ, so that it shall be by grace, so that it shall be what Christ brought you, brought us grace. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, he said, fight. He didn't say giving. He said fight. He didn't say give up. No, no, no. Fight. Fight because it's yours. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. How? Lay hold. Take hold of what is of grace. 
by faith. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Take hold of it. Take hold of it. It's already provided. It's by faith. So it shall be of grace. Christ brought us grace. And the Bible says, don't forget his benefits. The benefits of grace. Do not forget them. Lay hold on eternal life. Not lay hold on sickness. It didn't say lay hold on. No. Life is life. Eternal life. Lay hold on life. Lay hold on life. Not death. Not sick. Sickness is the brother of death. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are also called. You've been called to, be, to receive eternal life. And has, pro, listen to this. And has professed a good profession. Before many witnesses. The Holy Spirit said, profess what I said. Before many witnesses. Say it so. If you, are, if you are ashamed of my word in public and before the devil, then he said it won't work. Then I'll be ashamed of you. Because you deny me. You are denying what I gave you. You are denying and saying it's not true. Then you are agreeing with the enemy and giving him room and permission to perpetrate what he started to do against you. So there has to be this... There has to be good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you keep this commandment without spot. Said so you must do this. This is the way we fight this fight. 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 Keep your confession. Say what God said. Fight. He said, I give you charge. Before God, I am commanding you, you must fight. Hebrew 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Hold fast. Why fast? Fast. Hold it fast. Hold it fast. Because there's an attempt to lose grip and let it slip. And when you lose grip, then you start saying what the enemy wants you to say. And then you empower him. You give him because now you are agreeing with him. And you are disagreeing with God. So let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he that had, for he is faithful that uh, promised. Now let's look a typical fight of it. First Samuel 17, 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bear the shield went before him looking huge because the problems can look huge they can look insurmountable they can look like men they can look you know the lord said to me said the lord said to me said if i'm lord you cannot exalt sickness above me you cannot exalt anything above my word if i'm lord cannot my power. You cannot even begin to exalt anything near my power. If I say something, everything bows to it. Everything. So, First Samuel 17, 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bowed his shield went before him. When the Philistine looked up and saw David, he disdained him. You know, it still happens today. Oh, people will disdain you when you want to trust the word because they don't see how it will work. 
Oh, yeah, they will. They will think. They may not tell you, but in their mind, they disdain you. You are not wise. Don't know what they're talking about. This guy doesn't understand what he's facing. He's not wise. They will disdain the word of God. People will. People will. Surprisingly, church people also. Yep. So, he says, and when the Philistine looked about, saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistines said unto them, listen to how the enemy attacks us. He wanted to say what he said. And believe you me, he's going to send people who will say those things. And they won't know why they're saying them. So he said to David, am I a dog that that comes unto me with staves? Say so you're believing God, my friend, in this thing. <laughs> Standing on the word of God. My friend, you need to be wiser. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Do, have you, do you know what cancer can do? Don't you understand? It kills people, destroys people. It will tear you. It will destroy you. Don't you understand? Your heart is finished. Don't you understand? I will tear, the, 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 I will tear you with this sickness. I will... I will crush you. Who can deliver you? They say it cost David. It cost him. It means say you can't be blessed. They bring all that. The enemy brings, even you speak to you in your mind. This situation you are in is impossible. <laughs> so if I, it's too late now, I will tear you with this thing. I'm going to tear you. Where is that your God who will deliver you? You have been believing him for a long time. What has he done for you? Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. When you hear that, it brings fear. It doesn't bring faith. That's how you know that this is not the spirit of God. That's how you know you're on good grounds to reject it. You're on good grounds. This is the enemy. You can't reject it. Now, David fought back. Man, when we get to heaven, I'm going to look for David. I'm going to talk to him for 15 years. Me and him, we sit down and be talking 15 solid days, me and David. Man, this boy, 12-year-old boy, fought back. The Bible says, Fight! Fight back. First Samuel 17, 26. This day, David started his testimony. Amazing. Man, the devil said, I'm going to tear you. And David said, let me tell you what my God will do. I am the spokesman. I am his voice right here. I'm the ambassador of Christ right here. Let me tell you what this God I serve will do. Today, not tomorrow. Oh, you told me what your God can do? Okay, fine. That's your testimony. I'm going to overcome you with the testimony of my God. And this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hands. Instead of you tearing me, I'm good. you are going to be delivered into my hand. And I will smite thee. 
and take thy head from thee. This is amazing, man. And I will give the carcass of the host and the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth and to the wild beasts and of, of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know today that the Lord saveth not with sword, with spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into my hands the rest. You can know how it ended. It's exactly how David said it. He agreed with God and God brought it to pass. Remember that physically, David was in tremendous disadvantage. He wasn't trained in the army. He didn't have the sword. He didn't have the armor. He didn't have anything. But he had God's armor. He had the shield of it. He was, he was the most dangerous person there. He lifted it in the name of God. He said, I come in the name of the Lord. He began to declare what is God. It's not, he said today. It's, he was so definite. That's faith. Definite today. So, the Bible says you overcome with the blood. The blood is constant because the blood took away your sins. The blood was washed for our sins. So, we are not under the judgment of, of death. The Bible says the soul that sinners shall die. We are not under that judgment if you are in Christ. But we are under the privilege of the gift of life. But the gift of God is eternal life, not death in Christ Jesus. So the blood brought us that redemption. But now, what do you say? When that sickness is talking to you that will tear you to shreds and people are bringing all manner of things, what say you? What do you say? Let me tell you what you say. Surely, that's what you say. You pull your own sword, like David. No matter how that thing is trying to frighten you, you got to have a scripture. You got to have a scripture. I say, those who find it, they are found here. You got to have a scripture. And that's why I'm giving this scripture. You don't, have, you don't need too many scriptures. You can be on one scripture and get victory. Surely, you want to give it. Surely, my sickness, I don't care whether you're in a hospital bed, I don't care whether you're going for surgery tomorrow. You got to say what he said. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to confess this thing steadfastly to the end. Don't change it. Surely my sicknesses had borne. My pains had carried them. And we have esteemed the plague, smitten of God and afflicted. And he, had, he was pierced for my trans, mine. My, you put yourself, my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace on him. And by his bruise, I've been healed. By his stripes, I've been healed. That's my testimony, you go lawyer. And you say it like David vehemently. There has to be authority. There has to be conviction. There has to be faith. But you don't have to be saying it in the market like you're a crazy person. You can say these things quietly under your breath because you know who you're addressing. You're not addressing your neighbors there. You know who you're talking to. You know who is challenging you. You know who you're talking to. Then you pull another one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his soul in him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits of grace by faith so that it is of grace. Grace is what Christ brought us. Great. Wiggles was said, when you believe God in faith, 
God moves in with the benefits of grace. When you believe God in faith, he moves in with the benefits of grace. When you doubt God, he leaves you, he takes the benefit of grace because you don't accept it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He said, don't forget them. How can you forget God? The scripture says, those who forget God, they perish. Because they forget God, they have nowhere to anchor their faith. No, you can't forget God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? They begin to put my life. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from destruction? From destruction. From destruction. From destruction is destruction. He paid for me to be free of destruction. Because he was afflicted. He was stricken. He was beaten. He was pierced. Affliction cannot arise twice. Put your feet down and fight. Redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's of the lost mercies I'm not consumed. And his mercies are there forever. Why? The blood speaks for you. The blood speaks for you. The blood guarantees it. The blood guarantees this thing. Jesus stands shorty. Jesus stands behind it and says, he believes in me. That's his right. I did it for him. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that their youth is renewed like the eagles. When I get to this verse, I go crazy. Man, there's no limit to what I say. Man, I just been to worship. I go really, man. I just I say, Lord, woo, my strength is new. This is the strength. I say, Lord, your word says there was no feeble. There was no feeble among them. That's an inferior covenant. I'm in a super covenant, sealed in the blood of your son. There is no weakness in this body. There is no feebleness in this body. For the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. The spirit of Christ lives in me. He gives life to my mortal bodies. Everything is working. My eyes working. Man, I, I, go, I go crazy. <laughs> I go bonkers. I go take everything. Everything that grace gives me, I'm taking it. Yeah. I declare there's no part of my body feeble. No, can't be feeble. No, no, no. There was none feeble among them. I said, Lord, they were not even sons of God. I'm a son. I get something better. Can't be feeble. Can't be feeble. You renew my youth like that of an ego. I say my eyes have been renewed, my skin renewed, everything renewed. Everything. I went to Atlanta with my wife, beautiful wife, the most beautiful woman in this world. And I asked the enterprise girl that was the manager, I said, well, you look like, a, are, you a, are you doing vacation jobs? No. So I'm married and I have a, a child. She'll be married three years. I say, you don't look like that. I say, you look like you're a high school student. He said, that's what people tell me. And then when he came out, I said, I said to my wife, 
look at this girl. Is he a high school student? Say, yeah. I said, she's not. She's been married three years. And then as we were chatting, I said to the girl, I said, how old is my wife? She said, um, 45. I said, that's what the scripture says. He renews my youth like that of an ego. Her youth is being renewed all the time. You, you took away 20 years from her. And she was giving it the highest so that case you can't. It, I know where she was going. Fight. Fight. It's a good fight. Because the result has been called from this time. You're an overcomer, more than conqueror. God will always lead us in triumph. Weeping may endure for a while, but if you endure to the end with a persistent faith, everything in the kingdom, you must apply a persistent faith. It is how it works. To the end, you wear the crown. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the spirit of the Lord gives us strength, helps us. We are not in this alone, for you are our helper. You will strengthen us. You will teach us. You will guide us. Father, because without you, we can do nothing. You know it. We know it. Therefore, we trust you, that your spirit, the Bible says we are kept by the power of God. Father, I know that your spirit is able to keep us. Father, those who stand are down, we pray that you renew their excitement, that they go back into the battle and fight. Because victory is assured. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me dismiss us.